Episode 37, The Tabernacle. Imagine being in the middle of a journey to land that has been promised to your ancestors for hundreds of years, when all of a sudden God gives you the instruction manual to assemble a tent. But this isn't just a regular tent and its furnishing, but the tabernacle, the place where God would live among his people just like the times of old in the Garden of Eden. Welcome to the History of the Bible podcast. Now that the covenant has been made, God will begin to dwell among the people of Israel. However, it is to be done in a specific way. This would be through the tabernacle. It would be a visible structure of the fellowship and bond that God has now with his people. And God would give very specific instructions on how the tabernacle was to be built. But before building it, God invites the people to be part of constructing it by asking the people to give a free will offering from every man's heart that was moved to give. The offering from the people that would be accepted were gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet, and fine twisted linen, goat's hair, ram skin, goat skin, acacia wood, oil, spices, onyx stones, and other precious stones. All of this would be used to build the tabernacle and other items used in the worship of God. All the things that were given as an offering that would be used in the tabernacle and its items within were most likely from when the Israelites left Egypt and all the Egyptians gave them whatever they wanted. It is thought that the tabernacle represents a couple of different things. Yes, it is a physical thing that shows that God is among the people. But as we look into the details of the tabernacle, it will begin to remind the people of the Garden of Eden. More on this in a second. The tabernacle is also a place to show that the king is with them. And other surrounding nations, tents similar to the style of the tabernacle, would be used by kings when traveling outside of their palace, almost like a temporary mobile palace that could be set up for the king. It has also been found that other Eastern societies use a similar style of tent for the worship of their gods. So a tent was not uncommon of a thing that would be used for prayer or to indicate God or the gods was among the people, as well as a place for the king who is also seen to be divine himself, to stay while traveling away from his palace. As mentioned before, the tabernacle could be, to an extent, a garden of Eden. As we get into the details of how God wanted the tabernacle, it will begin to represent a form of the garden. From the way that the entrance is facing, east, and is guarded by a cherubim, the details that go into it, as well as a place where God once again can be among his people. Some scholars point out that the items inside the tabernacle even indicate a representation of the garden. For example, the gold lampstand is to represent the tree of life, and the tree of knowledge would be represented by the law that was given to the Israelites. Before God gives the details on the tabernacle, he gives the design of a couple of different items. One of those items would be the lampstand. As said, it is thought to represent the tree of life that is in the Garden of Eden. 
The reason is that the details are that of an almond tree. The whole lampstand was to be made out of a single piece of gold. It would have a single base extending through a branch, almost like a tree trunk. On either side of the central trunk is to be three more branches. All of these branches are to look like a flowering almond tree with blossoms on the branches. The almond tree is one of the first trees to blossom in the spring. The lampstand itself would have the ability to hold seven oil-based lamps to give light. The lamp was to be continually burning, always being maintained by the priest. The lampstand is a beautiful picture of us as believers. Just like the lampstand giving a light to those around it, we are called to be the light of the world. And also as the lampstand is a symbol of tree of life, as believers, we have become like a tree planted next to living waters, never lacking. The best part is that like the lamp being continually watched and maintained by the priest to make sure that it burns, today, Jesus is our high priest, as it says in Hebrews 4 verse 14, always making sure we are burning for him. It has also been suggested that the lampstand represents the Holy Spirit and that the whole tabernacle itself is a portrayal of the believer today. The Lord would also call Moses to make a table for the bread of the presence. The design of the table itself was about three feet long, one and a half feet wide, and about two feet high. Made up of acacia wood, it was to be overlaid with pure gold, and four rings were to be added to the legs, so that when transporting it, poles would be inserted through these rings. The poles themselves were to be made up of acacia wood as well and overlaid with gold. The table would hold two stacks of six loaves each. Each loaf was for each tribe of the Israelites. The bread would stay on the table for a whole week, only to be replaced on the Sabbath. In other ancient worships of deities, Many times the priests would put out different food for their god or goddesses to feed them as an act of worship. Therefore, the food would be placed before the deity and stay there for them to eat, but it would be brought in every day as worship. The table for the bread was not like other worship rituals for feeding their deities. For one, the bread would not be placed before God in the Holy of Holies rooms, more on the tabernacle in a little bit, it was outside the room, and the bread was told to be eaten by the priest, not by the deity. The bread of the presence was a symbol of God providing for the Israelites, as the bread was often seen as the sustainment for the body regarding food. However, the bread would only last a week and was needing to be replaced. This is why later on, Jesus would call himself the bread of life, referring to the bread of presence as he was the ultimate provision for our lives. Next would be the altar of incense. It too was built out of acacia wood and overlaid with pure gold. It stood about three feet high and was a square one and a half feet by one and a half feet. In the corners of the altar, it would have horns that came off of it, which were overlaid in gold as well. Rings would be attached to it so that poles made of acacia wood could be used to carry the altar. 
Every morning and every evening, incense was to be burned on it before the Lord. The Lord would also give the recipe to make up the incense that was to be burned. In the Bible, incense is often seen as a symbol of prayer. So it is believed that the altar of incense is a symbol of prayers continually going to God. And every year, the high priest would atone the altar with the blood of the sin offering. Therefore, the prayers of Israel were covered by the blood of the sin sacrifice. Today, our prayers are always going to the Father. But instead of being covered by the blood of a yearly sacrifice, they were covered once and for all by the blood of Jesus. These three items would all be in the room of the tabernacle called the holy place. The tabernacle would be split up into two rooms, one called the holy place and the other called the most holy place or holy of holies. But before we talk about the tabernacle itself, there are a couple more items that God would instruct Moses to have made. One of those items would be the Ark of the Covenant. This item would be the only thing that was inside the Most Holy Room, or Holy of Holies. The construction of the Ark of the Covenant is that of wood, overlaid with pure gold inside and out. It was a little less than four feet long, two and a half feet wide, and two and a half feet tall. Just like the other items, it would have four rings on it, attached to each corner where the poles of acacia wood would be overlaid with gold and placed in so that it could be carried. On the top, the Lord would tell Moses to have a mercy seat be made. On either side of the seat would be a cherubim. These creatures would have wings that would spread out over the mercy seat. The mercy seat was not necessarily a seat as we think of one today. The mercy seat that was on top of the Ark of the Covenant is referred to as the lid of the ark. The wings then of the cherubims would then encircle the open top of the area of the lid. Inside the Ark of the Covenant would be the two stone tablets that Moses wrote down the law of God, Aaron's staff and manna. Now the cherubim is first mentioned when Adam and Eve are removed from the Garden of Eden and God placed a cherubim at the entrance with a fiery sword. So these guys aren't the naked baby angels that they are often depicted as. The only reason that people began to think that they looked like babies is that the Hebrew word for cherub was thought to be closely related to the Aramaic word for like a child. Some scholars believe that they look like humans with the face and body, while other scholars believe that the cherub is a winged sphinx. Ezekiel 10 talks about the cherubims. In this chapter of the Bible, they seem to be in the temple hosting the presence of God. It says that they have a hand of a man under their wings, which they had four wings. For the head, though, they are said to have four heads, one of a man, a face of a lion, a face of an eagle, and the face of a cherubim. Now, what the face of a cherub looks like is unknown. But because they had four heads, they are able to see in all directions without having to turn their head. On top of not having to turn their head to look around, it says in verse 12 of chapter 10 that they had eyes everywhere on their body. 
And just like the Garden of Eden in Ezekiel 10 verse 19, the cherubim are standing guard at the entrance to the house of the Lord where God dwells. These angels seem to guard the presence of the Lord throughout the Bible, including the symbols of them on the Ark of the Covenant. The four items that we have been talking about, the Ark of the Covenant, the lampstand, the table of bread, and the altar of incense were the only items that were inside of the tabernacle. The layout of the tabernacle was to be set up with the tent of meeting within a courtyard. The courtyard was surrounded by a wall of curtains. There would be 10 curtains that would be placed side by side with each other. The total length of the courtyard was about 150 feet and its width was about 75 feet. At the front of the courtyard was a 30-foot wide gate. Within this courtyard, there would be the tabernacle itself. The tent itself was only about 45 feet long and 15 feet wide and stood 15 feet high. And within the tent would be split up into two different rooms, the holy place and the most holy place. The most holy place was a small room about 15 feet long and 15 feet wide. It only contained the Ark of the Covenant within it. The other room, the holy place, had the table for the bread of the presence, the golden lampstand, and the altar of incense. What separated the two rooms was called a veil, which was made up of blue, purple, and scarlet yarns woven together with cherubims being embroidered into it. The door to the tent's entrance was made up the same way, except it didn't have the cherubs on it. The walls of the tent were made up of four layers of cloth, goat, and ramskins. The structure that held up everything in the tent was made up of acacia wood covered in gold. The tabernacle was a physical reminder of the presence of God within the midst of his people. Now that everything inside the tent, including the tent itself, has been described, let's move to the courtyard. There would be two items in the courtyard, the bronze altar and the bronze basin. The bronze altar would be later renamed for its function, the burnt offering. This altar would be placed within the courtyard and used to offer the sacrifices that the Lord commands the Israelites to perform. It too was to be made out of acacia wood and then covered with bronze rather than gold. It was about four and a half feet high and then seven and a half feet long and in width, making it shaped like a box. In the corners were horns that the blood of the animals was wiped on to consecrate the altar. On the top section, there was a grating that went up halfway towards the end, and within the altar, it would be hollow. On this altar, the priest would make daily sacrifices for the atonement of sin. The altar was the first thing that a person would see and come into contact with when they walked into the tabernacle. And no, it wouldn't be a permanent solution because of the atonement at the altar. It did allow for the people to come closer to the tent where the presence of God was. The altar was a place of atonement where they were cleansed from their sin so that they could come into the presence of God. Jesus would be the ultimate lamb sacrifice that made the payment once and for all 
so that because of his sacrifice, we can come into the presence of God. For Jesus, the bronze altar would be the cross that he died on. The last item in the tabernacle would be the bronze basin. This would be between the bronze altar and the tent. It was used for washing the hands and feet and was to be done before entering the tent before offering sacrifices. This symbolized that the priest needed to be cleansed before coming before God. But this was only cleansing the outside. Today, Jesus' blood cleansed us on the inside so that we can come boldly before his throne. In Exodus 25, verse 40, it says that Moses is being called to make these items to the exact detail that he is being shown on the mountain. This would mean that either through an open vision or through the mind's eye, God was showing Moses what and how he wanted things to be made. But God didn't just give details on how he wanted the tabernacle to be made. He also gave very specific details for the priest and what they were to wear. These would be called holy garments, and they were to be worn by Aaron and his sons to all generations. The holy garments would be made up of a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat, a turban, and a sash. The ephod would cover the front and back of the priest, with two onyx stones at the shoulders to hold the two sections together. Some scholars believe that it was some type of apron that would cover the priest. The onyx stones would each have six names on them, these being the twelve tribes of Israel in order of birth, and be placed in a setting of gold. This symbolizes the priest bearing the names of the tribes of Israel before God. Next would be the breastpiece. It would have twelve stones on the front, each stone representing a tribe of Israel and having their name inscribed on the stone. Again, these would be all set into gold. Four rows of three stones would be set up. With a gold chain, it would be held to the onyx shoulder pieces. The Lord would also have the Urim and Thummim go with the breastpiece to be placed over the priest's heart. The Urim and Thummim, we don't know what they were made out of. Some say that they are gemstones, and others believe that they are something like dice. In the Mesopotamian region, there have been found dice that were made for casting lots, one with a favorable answer and the other one with an unfavorable answer. They would be used to receive answers from their gods. The Urim and Thummim would be used to get answers from God. This would be called an oracle. Not much else is known about the Urim and Thummim, but that it was used only a few times in the Bible so that the people could get answers from God on decisions that needed to be made. The priest would also have a robe that would have the pomegranates around the hem with bells on it as well. Going around the hem on the bottom of the robe, it would be a pomegranate and then a bell and continue in that order all the way around, so that he would be heard while walking. Then they would also wear a turban with a gold crown around their head. This is what God required the high priest to wear when he came to serve the Lord. And after being consecrated or made holy through sacrifices and being anointed, the high priest was ready to serve in the tabernacle. Again, 
The tabernacle could be seen as a form of a palace that many kings would take with them when they went on trips. Even the colors of the material had meaning. Purple often showed royalty, and blue was of divinity. But the whole point of the tabernacle was so that God was physically among his people. God wanted to be with his people, just like it was in the days of Garden of Eden, when God walked with Adam and Eve. Later on in history, Jesus would be the ultimate fulfiller of the tabernacle, as his name Emmanuel would mean God is with us, as he was a physical representation of the Father being among his people. Now that the instructions for the tabernacle and all the items within it were given to Moses, he would head down Mount Sinai to the people. But because Moses was gone for so long, the people began to get a little unsettled by Moses' absence, so they got a little busy. Only it was taking matters into their own hands. So join us next time in episode 37, A Stiff-Necked People. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.